Suddenly, the best sound in Caribbean radio. This is VOC Radio. Let's talk St. Kitts and Nevis, a talk show and current affairs program focusing on St. Kitts and Nevis, the Caribbean, and international news. Every Tuesday at 10 a.m. on Voice of the Caribbean Radio, join host Andre Huey as he delves into topical issues of the day. We'll open the lines so you can call in and be part of the discussion. And he'll feature guests each week to help shed light on the various topics of discussion. Let's talk St. Kitts and Nevis with Andre Huey, Tuesdays at 10 a.m. with rebroadcasts on Wednesdays and Fridays, also at 10 a.m. on Voice of the Caribbean Radio at voiceofthecaribbean.net. Also listen on our Android mobile app and tune in radio. Voice of the Caribbean Radio, reaching the Caribbean and beyond. Welcome to another edition of Let's Talk St. Kitts Nevis here on Voice of the Caribbean Radio at voiceofthecaribbean.net. I'm your host, Andre Huey. We have a very interesting show lined up for you. Several guests as we look at the issue of COVID-19. We're looking at the impact of COVID-19 on the entertainment sector as well as the cruise tourism sector here in St. Kitts Nevis. First, we'll be hearing from EK, a popular entertainer, radio DJ and broadcaster who... uh, basically gave us an insight into how the pandemic has impacted his business and his disgruntlement with the COVID-19 task force and the government as it relates to the impact or rather the effects on the entertainment sector with what he believes is the non-interest or the lack of interest that the authorities are placing on the importance of reviving or getting the entertainment sector back up and running. We also will hear from the head of the COVID-19 task force, Mr. Abdias Samuel, and we also will be looking at the other aspects of COVID-19 as it relates to the tourism sector, cruise tourism. We'll be speaking to a very popular businessman who works in that area in St. Kitts and Nevis. All that's coming up on today's edition of Let's Talk St. Kitts and Nevis. But first, we'll take a break and be right back. Voice of the Caribbean Radio, VOC Radio. Stay locked on. Online radio has never been this great. It's Voice of the Caribbean Radio at voiceofthecaribbean.net. Tune into Voice of the Caribbean Radio for great Caribbean programs, news, entertainment, sports, and current affairs. Wake up each morning and be inspired with One Day at a Time with Kim Huey. Stay abreast with news across the Caribbean and internationally with the Caribbean News Hour and be entertained with shows like Reggaeville, Caribbean Classics, and Jive Music Show. Visit our website, download our Android mobile app, or listen us on TuneIn Radio. There is so much more on Voice of the Caribbean Radio, reaching the Caribbean and beyond. Check website or app for program schedule. Want to buy some fresh fruits, vegetables, or ground provision, but don't have the time to go to the market or even to find parking? Look no further. Green Green Market Market and Delivery delivery is your solution. solution. Green Market and Delivery is an e-commerce store that sells and delivers local produce to customers. It's in Kizinibis. Anything you purchase, you can get fresh from the market and deliver directly to your door. Log on to www.greenmarketskn.com. Click on the e-store link, choose your items, and shop away. We have a wide array of products from fruits, vegetables, local products, spices and seasonings, and much more. Save time and energy. Shop on greenmarketskn.com, your Your one-stop shop for fresh fresh local local produce. Stay abreast with news on St. Martin with SMN News. Visit www.smn-news.com for up-to-date news, scoops, opinions, and hard-hitting facts. SMN News, we tell it like it is. Visit our website, www.smn-news.com. Auto Plus Car Wash, located on the Collins Street Gut, Bastyr St. Kitts. Bring your car to Auto Plus Car Wash to remove water stains, wiper marks, get your doors, roof panel cleaned, seat floor mats, buffing, headlights, and engine wash. You get quality service at the best price at Auto Plus Car Wash. They really care for your car. 
Call 765-5140 or visit them on collarstreet.bastierstkids. Auto Plus Car Wash, where the service is number one. The Voice of the Caribbean Radio. Welcome back to Let's Talk Sinkis Nevis here on Voice of the Caribbean Radio at voiceofthecaribbean.net. As promised you before the break, we said that we will be speaking to EK, a very popular entertainer and um, radio broadcaster. Uh, we had a very candid conversation on the impacts of COVID-19 on the entertainment sector. He believes the authorities are not placing not enough emphasis on the importance of the entertainment sector and that the sector could open up right away. Here's our conversation with EK. The entertainment sector in St. Kitts and Nevis obviously has been hurt significantly um, due to the measures that have been proposed, uh, the COVID-19 measures. Just walk us through from your experience as an entertainer and, and someone who works in the field. What are the challenges that, uh, that you've been experiencing over the last few months? Um, well, it's not so much the challenges, but actually the challenge of not being able to make um, an income because if you, you the restriction that they have on they, they, they practically made um our craft playing music whether you're a musician or a dj uh any other form of entertainment they actually made it illegal i mean that's what it is it's a prohibition and if anything prohibited is is uh, tantamount to being illegal and once you can do that then you can't make any money you, 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 your source of income basically dries up completely. And while the prohibition is in place, they still have certain functions that are happening that make use of entertainment, but only for them. For instance, the, the under-19 cricket that's currently going on right now, there's actually a DJ in there playing music right now and we just find that these restrictions are just archaic they're backward and they're counterproductive because they're doing more harm than good and just indulge me for a minute we were told that once you take the vaccine it's basically the silver bullet it's, it's the best means of getting out of the pandemic well, a vast majority of the people in entertainment, as well as the population in it's a nevis, they went forward and they took the vaccine in hopes that you know things will open back up. Recently, we saw the, the spiking cases and the mass events, the very large ones, with um, 200 plus people, they were vaccinated only. Only the vaccinated could have attended those um, parties. On top of that, only the vaccinated could come into the federation without restrictions. All you had to do was present a negative um, PCR test and you walk straight in. Now we are being told that is the, the, the Omnicron variant that we have here, um, making the rounds in St. Kitts and Nevis. How did it get here? Because we, we certainly didn't manufacture it. So obviously it had to be um, imported. So this whole vaccine notion really and truly, it just fall flat in the face. And it's happening around the world. If vaccinated only could move about safely, as they say, then why then are so much infections around? And you can't tell me that it's only the unvaccinated being infected because look at the numbers, look at the protocols. So now that carnival is over and we, we headed into this new year, we started out this new year, we can't work. And you must understand that not being able to work, not being able to earn a steady income hurts not only the entertainment sector, but it hurts the economy on a whole, because if you look at how um, intricately entwined entertainment is into other industries, such as barbering, hairdressing, um, retails, you name it, having functions, having events, and not just a party to just walk up yourself. We're talking about weddings, funerals, baby showers, um, carpet events and the like. These things generate um, economic movement. 
in all sectors. So right now we're just here twiddling with thumbs, wondering how we could um, ride out this storm and see how best we could navigate it. But that's the challenge. You can't work, you can't make the money. Now, um, the, kind of give us an idea, um, and, and, and if you want to use yourself as an example, the kind of losses financially that entertainers and people in the entertainment sector um, within, uh, are enduring because of, they're not able to apply their trade? Well, on average, for me, for, for, for what I do, you could say roughly between um, two to $5,000 per week mm. you're looking at. And that is a, a significant um, hit to my finances because it, it not only put me in an awkward position where I can, um, you know, pay my bills and other obligations that I have, it, it, it makes it rough mentally to have to sit there and, you know, watch other things going on while you can make where your customers make. I mean, I'm just, just me. And I have other streams of revenue, other sources of income. So I'm able to manage, but for those who don't have um, other sources of income, it's very difficult on them because school starting back, January, usually there'll be what we term colloquially a broke's month. So you could just imagine that people are losing anywhere upwards between a um, thousand to two thousand dollars per week alone. Yeah. Um, what do you think should be the solution, really? Um, because the task force is going to argue that this is done in the interest of national safety or safety of the country. Uh, try to minimize or minimize the, 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 or mitigate the spread of the virus. But at the same time, you and others are legitimately being denied the opportunity to make a living. What do you think really should, how, how can the authorities meet entertainers halfway at least? Um, I, I wouldn't even use the term as, as, as meet entertainers halfway because from what we have observed, because I just outlined to you, that only the vaccinated were allowed to move about freely in terms of travel, right? We did not have the Omicron variant here, which is more transmissible, less deadly as they say, as they claim, but more transmissible. Immediately following the, 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 the carnival thingy, what they had there, and they, they were reporting that near, what, near 300 and something events were approved. And the, the mass ones were, vaccinated only. Now, they were using the notion that if you're vaccinated, you can party and you can move about safely. But look at the numbers. The numbers have skyrocketed. Now, in my experience, every year during this time, winter, carnival, December into January, February, it's flu season, correct me if I'm wrong. And we never used to document the amount of persons that got flu. Um, around this time. And if we had documented that, we would basically see the numbers that we are seeing now is just that what they're testing for and what they're looking for is COVID-19. But we have had cases of influenza right after carnival and I have known people who have died. I have known an average anywhere between two to seven persons die yearly from influenza. And you could back check that. I could be wrong, it could be less, it could be more but we never used to document it per se. So now that we're documenting it, it, it would seem as though we have this you know, serious problem. But anybody knows, anybody who did any form of science in high school, integrated science, biology, physics, whatever, you would know how viruses behave. You would know how the human body behaves when it comes to mucus and um, um, influenza. So to say to meet us halfway to, 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 to somehow mitigate um, any fallout from this virus. From what I have observed, my lad, personally, I think it's all a big joke, it's a fast. People die every single day from all kinds of things, every single day. If you look, if you Google it right now, when you look at the death rate, are you sure between eight o'clock this morning and now, millions of people done dead in this world and millions more born. So 
to say yeah. that, you know. But what are the argument that they will use that to say, well, you know, um, uh, one, dying is one thing, but they, they're trying to at least ensure that people don't end up in the hospital uh, and being hospitalized and overburdened the system. That's, that's the argument a lot of the health authorities, not only here, but elsewhere use. Overburden the system. So you're trying to tell me that you have a country to run and you don't put contingency plans in place for mass emergencies. Now we live on a volcanic island. We live in a, a, a region that is prone to tsunamis. We live in a region that is prone to hurricanes. So you're trying to tell me if we have a mass disaster, our healthcare system is, isn't in any position at all to deal with that. You would think that they would have these contingency plans in place. How about upgrading the hospital? We, 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 we've been an independent country now for what? Near 38 years, 37 years, 38 years? We have all these health centers around the island, all these community centers around the island. You're trying to tell me that we don't have an emergency plan in place that if 10,000 people come down with a flu, we can't deal with them? How much people actually end up in the hospital on a yearly basis from the flu? If I know people, man, even if they stump, they thought they go up the hospital when they could just go by a health center or just go by um, a drugstore and pick up what they need for first aid. We teach first aid. So to use this notion that, oh, it's going to overwhelm the healthcare system and overrun it. I mean, come on. So in your view, so you tried to tell me. In your view, then we should just open up, get back, get the entertainers back on working and, and open up the, the sector. Um, you but know, obviously, obviously, the reason why we have insurance, the reason why we have healthcare is in case of emergencies. Do we stop driving vehicles? Do we stop coming out of our houses? Do we stop doing construction because somebody might fall off a scaffolding? No, we use ropes and we use helmets to mitigate any, any, anything happening. So what is so different about this? You got to find a balance. They, they, they've used this, this, this term, lives over livelihood. But how could you possibly have any kind of form of, of life if you're not allowed to have a livelihood to sustain your life? Because you need, you, you need basic things, clean water, fresh air, um, access to electricity, and access to good food, good and clean food and water. But you can't have these things if you don't have a livelihood. Now, suppose, I, I suppose this thing goes on now for the next three months. Then what? So you don't want to overrun the healthcare system, but you want to empty out the treasury, empty out all your finances just to say you gave a stimulus, just to say, oh, I give some people some money. But that included, my thing is, if you have all these finances, you have access to all these resources, buttress up your healthcare system. So that if 2,000 people at any given time end up at the hospital, and it's not all 2,000 people going to need ventilators, no way know how that's going to happen. You want to tell me that you can start a program to say, okay, fine. If you have respiratory problems, we all know what we need to do for respiratory problems. You get some big situation in the hot water and you pull the mucus out of your body. What are you telling me? So you're going to shut down a whole entertainment sector with people who have obligations, who have people that they that depend on them just because you don't want to overrun your healthcare system. Put things in place. Look at what China did when this thing first started. China built nearly cheap hospitals in hopes that, okay, things get too bad, we have enough beds. We have enough rooms in St. Kitts and Nevis, hotels that are empty right now. They've been using hotels for quarantine and even literally forgetting the people I'm inside here. What about getting a volunteer um, program up and running so that those of us who are willing to volunteer to manage the system and manage the fallout and pay close attention to people who are more at risk because they have underlying conditions. What about that? It doesn't take much to organize ourselves. So I'm not gonna just sit here and say, well, oh, um, we don't want to overrun the healthcare system. So basically shut down everything else. Entertainment wasn't allowed to function as possible, as it, as it should, sorry. But that day, look at the lines. Look at the intermingling with people. Going into these large supermarkets, we have central air conditioning. You're not allowed to go on the beach. You're not allowed to go out in the open. You're not allowed to do the things that keep you 
healthy. So what do you think was going to happen? I mean, this is thing that we learn in primary school, Andre. So clearly, so there's a double clearly, clearly, there's a double standard. Then so you're you're saying so the entertainment industry and and other things are allowed to continue. Exactly. You're trying to tell me you can't go into a club with a hundred people, but you can stand up in a supermarket line or in a retail store line with over thousands of people for two days. You you're think there's a discrimination? Do you think there's a discrimination against the entertainment sector? That that because if you notice, for example, um, in one of the regulations that were issued in December, um, the, the 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 point was made that there should be no party style dancing, which for some people they didn't know what that meant. So overall, from what you're saying, you're seeing a double standard. Do you think there's a discrimination against the entertainment? And why would there be a discrimination against the entertainment sector? In my opinion, there's always been uh uh a discrimination against anything to do with entertainment because entertainment is seen as something that is lewd and crass and all these kind of things and the the, the, the oligarchy society basically don't like it civil society basically don't like it because unless it's them it's no good it's nasty it's underlying it leads to drugs and all this kind of foolishness and these things have been proven not to be so and so when you take into consideration lots of other things, there's always been a stigma attached to entertainment because even when this whole thing first started, there were operatives out there. And I'm telling you, people who sell accessories were caught up in the face saying, oh, they just want to go walk up. No. And so what if they want to go and walk up? Entertainment is a form of keeping human beings balanced. It doesn't have to be dance or music. It can be jazz music. It can be an art gallery. It can be anything, any form of entertainment. Human beings are multifaceted and they need all these things in order to maintain a healthy mental state, in order to function properly. You sit and have a glass of wine while listening to some jazz or watching a movie. That is entertainment. Some people, they go and they dance. They have a drink and they go back home so that they can function in their life. So to come and to say, oh, entertainment is doing this and entertainment is causing this, it, it is total hypocrisy. Total hypocrisy. Look at what happened during CPL. Thousands of people going and coming because they were vaccinated. You need to do it safely. But when these vaccinated people come out of the park and intermingle between people who aren't vaccinated, live with them, eat with them, shop with them, drive on a bus with them, pay bills with them. So that is safe. But going to the park unvaccinated ain't safe. It's ridiculous and it makes no sense. And any right-thinking person knows and sees it for what it is. But because the powers that be have the, the, the security forces behind them and they have the judicial system behind them, you really don't want to cross these people because they can destroy you. So but if you break it down, it's, it's total hypocrisy. Is there a misunderstanding of, of the value of the entertainment sector? And that's the point I want to get at now in terms of the contribution of the entertainment industry from an economic and financial standpoint to the country in general. Uh, is there a misunderstanding or uh, uh, ignorance to the value of the entertainment sector in dollars and cents? Wait, wait, wait. To look at it honestly, Andre, let's take this point. When any business wants to promote their products, who do they turn to? Entertainers, entertainment planners, entertainers to promote their goods and services. When politicians need to push their campaign um, agenda forward, who do they make use of in order to get the interest of the people? Isn't it entertainment? Try having a political rally without music. Try having anything without music and see how that works out for you. The interest alone ain't going to be as good. So they know the value of entertainment. They understand the value of entertainment. But when it comes to paying for it, they don't want to pay for it because we as entertainment don't get paid good around here. You, you bring in a white class because he's well known and you pay him hundreds of thousands of dollars. But for somebody who here, you don't want to pay them the kind of money because they ain't as big yet but you want to use them. Look at the virtual campaign. If, 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 look at Carnival. If Carnival didn't understand the importance 
of entertainers and entertainment, do you think they would have booked the banks? From the policymaker standpoint, the politicians, it is your job to make sure that your economy is multifaceted, make sure that your economy is diverse. So which means you have to get whatever information that you need to get, acquire data to show where you need to improve on your economy, to show those things in your economy that actually generates economic growth. That is your job. I am not supposed to go to a politician and try to convince them how much money entertainment makes. It is on Google. The entertainment industry around the world accounts for roughly anywhere between three to five or six percent of the economy, which is billions of dollars. So you as the politician need to find this out. I don't need to come and tell it to you. Now look at what they're doing with the entertainment industry. They're trying to make sure that every single entertainer is now registered with Inland Revenue and registered with them because they're now trying to get data to see how much money is actually generated by these entertainers. That's, that's something that should have been done a long time ago, but kudos to the government now for bringing it. But at the same time, you're asking people to register. Where they're gonna register with if they can work. And where they're gonna train with if they can apply the craft. So you're having training seminars, you, you, you're, having, you're asking people to go and register with Indian Revenue to get a business license. And then you're still gonna turn on and, and ask them to ask you permission to operate the said business that they just pay a business license for. It is backward and redundant. And it makes absolutely no sense from the protocols and the way they're going about it. But nobody wants to ask a question. You have people like me, you have people like Rascal, you have people who have been in the entertainment industry for years, mixed talks, you name them. Gregory for Small Arts, Gregory Hobson for New Vibes. We are intricately involved in entertainment. You have fans, Rodney, we know this thing inside out and they have never sat down with us meaningfully to ask us a question about how this thing run. They've had numerous meetings and when we go to the meeting, it's a talk shop. They come to preach to us and then they allow us half an hour out of three hours to ask questions. Look at the recent one where they held. When DJ Flames got up, when Hellfire got up and when fans got up to ask questions, well, why are you asking us to register? We can work. But what are we going to register for? And when I don't register, why would I need to ask the police permission to have a, a party? The police should possibly be the one out there doing their work. I don't have to ask the police permission to keep a party. I notify you that I'm having a party so that you can put whatever plans you need to put in place so that you can have a force in place to mitigate any fallout in terms of violence or public disruption. That is your job. Not to ask your permission. So in my estimation, they know the value of entertainment. They understand it. But because we're so archaic and backward and colonialistic in our thinking and our doing and some of our laws, this is why entertainment is getting the hit that it's getting right now. Because it makes no sense. Church is wailing, supermarkets wailing, we've had people gather. But you're trying to tell me that if you go to a party, Corona gonna spread more. Ridiculous. Makes no sense. That's entertainer and broadcaster Maurice E.K. Flanders. Now, since that interview, the task force would have had their meetings and made their recommendations to the government of St. Kitts and Nevis as to what areas, what sectors of the society of the community can reopen um, under, of course, COVID-19 guidelines. The entertainment sector um, is one of those sectors that has been recommended to reopen in March of this year. That's the recommendation sent by the task force. To tell us more about that, we hear more from Abdias Samuel in his last press conference in this report filed on SK Newsline. Entertainers and promoters on St. Kitts and Nevis might soon resume holding large events, according to Abdias Samuel, chairman of the National COVID-19 Task Force. In a recent presentation at the NEOC COVID-19 press briefing, Samuel indicated that the task force had made recommendations to the cabinet for the resumption of the economic sector. The good news is that the National COVID-19 Task Force, in our deliberations, uh, we have agreed uh, to uh, have the cabinet uh, consider the commencement of major events, as it's a FETS, some Fed control FEDs and activities as of the month of March. As per the date, we will communicate that with you as soon as we get the 
consideration and deliberation of the Federal Cabinet of Ministers. Uh, we are hopeful that we can get that information to you so that you can begin to advertise your event as necessary. So there's some good news. So we will be communicating with the Ministry of Entertainment who should be listening with the promoters, entertainers, etc., so that we can get that sector restarted. But we started gradually and we started safely. Uh, we're just putting that out there so to let you know that we want you to restart. And the reason why we are saying gradually, we don't want to regress unless we have a major outbreak. So let's get it right so that we don't have to be in a swing back and forth in the river, on the river, on the bank. We started, we started right, uh, we get it done correctly, and, and we have it sustained so that we don't have to look back unless there is a major outbreak. Over the past months, entertainers and promoters have been complaining of their inability to ply their trade and of the financial challenges they face. Glenn Bart reporting for SKN Newsline. So you heard it there from Abdia Samuel speaking on the plans to have the entertainment sector reopened. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll shift gears still on COVID-19, but looking at the impact on tourism. We'll hear from a popular businessman on how his sector has feared or his business has feared since the cruise tourism sector was reopened. Boys of the Caribbean Radio, VOC Radio, stay locked on. Online radio has never been this great. It's Voice of the Caribbean Radio at voiceofthecaribbean.net. Tune into Voice of the Caribbean Radio for great Caribbean programs, news, entertainment, sports, and current affairs. Wake up each morning and be inspired with One Day at a Time with Kim Huey. Stay abreast with news across the Caribbean and internationally with the Caribbean News Hour and be entertained with shows like Reggaeville, Caribbean Classics, and Jive Music Show. Visit our website, download our Android mobile app, or listen us on TuneIn Radio. There is so much more on Voice of the Caribbean Radio, reaching the Caribbean and beyond. Check website or app for program schedule. Want to buy some fresh fruits, vegetables, or ground provision, but don't have the time to go to the market or even to find parking? Look no further. Green, Green Market, market and, and Delivery is, is your solution. solution. Green Market and Delivery is an e-commerce store that sells and delivers local produce to customers in St. Kitsinevis. Anything you purchase, you can get fresh from the market and deliver directly to your door. Log on to www.greenmarketskn.com. Click on the e-store link, choose your items, and shop away. We have a wide array of products from fruits, vegetables, local products, spices and seasonings, and much more. Save time and energy. Shop on greenmarketskn.com, your, your one-stop one shop, shop for, for fresh, fresh local, local produce. Stay abreast with news on St. Martin with SMN News. Visit www.smn-news.com. For up-to-date news, scoops, opinions, and hard-hitting facts. SMN News, we tell it like it is. Visit our website, www.smn-news.com. Auto Plus Car Wash, located on the Collins Street Gut, Bastyr's in Kits. Bring your car to Auto Plus Car Wash to remove water stains, wiper marks, Get your doors, roof panel cleaned, seat floor mats, buffing, headlights, and engine wash. You get quality service at the best price at Auto Plus Car Wash. They really care for your car. Call 765-5140 or visit them on the College Street Gut, Bastyr St. Kitts. Auto Plus Car Wash, where the service is number one. The Voice of the Caribbean Radio. Welcome back to Let's Talk St. Kitts Nevis here on Voice of the Caribbean Radio at voiceofthecaribbean.net. In the first segment of the show, we heard on the, from both the COVID-19 task force and from an entertainer on the impact of COVID-19 on the entertainment sector and what plans are there to reopen the entertainment sector. For the rest of the show, we're going to be now focusing our attention on the cruise tourism sector. As you know, cruise tourism has reopened uh, more or less in St. Kitts and Nevis with some restrictions, of course, 
and uh, there have been a number of challenges still, even as the a number of cruise ships are coming to the port. They are not coming with full capacity, and uh, players in the, in, in the cruise tourism sector are still feeling some impact from the uh, COVID-19 pandemic, even though the cruise tourism sector has opened up. One of those businesses is Carbel Batique. We spoke to the owner of Carbel Batique. He spoke to SK Newsline's Glenn Bart, which is our sister media entity, and uh, we have that interview with Mr. Widdison, uh, Mr. Maurice Widdison, which we're going to share with you right about now. I want to get an idea of your experience um, on how things have gone for business in general and, and, and most definitely for your business in, uh, since, the start, since the start of the cruise season. Well, the, the cruise ships that uh, visited the island, I think the first thing that uh, people need to understand about them is um, the cruise ships are not running anything like full capacity. Um, particularly initially also, um, they were running with a lot of the passengers on them were people who were sailing because their earlier uh, bookings had been cancelled because of COVID. So the, a lot of them were not new people to the uh, cruise industry. A lot of them on board were you know, recovering from the cancellations of earlier in 2021 and 2020. The, the occupancy, uh, we don't get the figures in detail from boat to boat, and I don't know who does, but talking to the industry, it seems that the boats are averaging about 40% occupancy. Okay? Um now, what is interesting is that that 40% occupancy is about how my business is doing. Of comparable boats, it's doing about 40% of the business it would have done from those boats um, pre-COVID. Um, an interesting statistic for my business, and I can't speak for everybody, but our fears in the industry were that when people were coming, a lot of them would not, uh, because of COVID and losing jobs and being on short time and things, that they wouldn't have much money to spend. But the good news is that that hasn't been my experience. In fact, my average sale per customer off a cruise ship is slightly higher than pre-COVID uh, numbers. So we're getting a lot fewer people but those fewer people are spending a little bit more than they would pre, uh, pre-COVID. Um, it's, it's, it's a very mixed bag. Um, the industry is very challenging for us uh, in business, and I'll explain to you why. Um, there are very late cancellations or very late changes in itineraries due to um, either the island, our island, not accepting the boats because they have uh, COVID on board or because other islands are not accepting the boats and so they have to juggle with their itineraries. But it's having a very damaging effect on businesses like mine and others who uh, have got significant numbers of staff. The reason that I mention that is it's not about how much, only about how much money you take, but it's about how much it costs you to take it. And so if you um, on, say, the Tuesday are expecting four boats in, uh, you advise your staff, you know, in the previous week, how many boats are coming, so you want 14 staff, and on the Monday night, you find there's been three cancellations, so you've got one boat. You still got 14 staff. I'm not the kind of employer, and neither are many of us in the industry, that says, well, there's no boat, so don't come in today. Uh, so that's very challenging, and it's very challenging for the tour operators as well, who, you know, have <coughs> um, buses and taxis uh, attached to them, and they expect to have business that day, and at the last minute they get up in the morning and the cruise ship doesn't come. So... The cost to doing business is significantly higher, to be quite honest, because of the unpredictability of the boat and your commitments to your staff, if you understand what I'm saying. Um, so it's a mixed bag. We're, we're very grateful that it's happening. I mean, November 
um, for me was equal to the whole of the 1st of May through to the end of October. So that's the impact cruise ships have. And um, I, I am now functioning with, um, I'm back to pretty well full-time staff with um, up to 15 people at any one time. Um, and I'm able to maintain and improve my properties again. Um, and we're hopeful. Well, I won't talk about what we're hopeful about. I'll do that in a minute. But up to, up to this moment, up to today, we don't know day to day quite what is coming. Ships are already this morning. They're shifting. They're canceling. New ones are coming. It's a very unpredictable thing. And for people that produce or order stock rather than have it available locally, it's very challenging. You, you, you don't know whether you should be producing the stuff and how much you should produce or whether you should be ordering the stuff. You don't know how long the season is going to last. And um, we've not been helped with CDC, which is a um, Center for Disease Control in America, who are clearly, for one reason or another, very anti the cruise industry. And when they put out messages like two weeks ago, where they nationwide said Americans shouldn't really plan to travel on a cruise ship at the moment, um, that had a devastating effect. And there were massive cancellations with immediate effect for a while. But um, the cruise industry is bouncing back again because the demand is great. So the curve is going back up again. And um, those of us that are in the industry are hopeful that we're going to have a good, strong sting in the tail, if you know what I mean. We're hoping that January will be better than December, but it isn't going to be, I don't think. We're hoping, however, that February will be stronger than January and March will be stronger than February. Then it starts tailing off and then we've got six months ahead of us of struggle again. So that's the prognosis up to date. Um, I, I will add that um, we are responsible ourselves for turning away some of the cruise ships uh, based on the fact that cruise ships have to report to the ports ahead of time uh, what percentage of their passengers are, for one reason or another, sick or ill. And the figure that um, is pretty well accepted as the cutoff is 1%. So if 1% of the crew or the passengers are, are ill, for one reason or another, um, they report it and the island makes a decision whether to accept it or reject it on the strength of that. Um, I, I have a little bit of a problem with that. Um, of course, I have a vested interest in it, but I also try to be balanced in my opinions, and I'm not always am, I accept that. But that figure of 1% judgment has been 1% for years. And that 1% generally before COVID uh, applied to onboard things like gastroenteritis and things like that, which the boat, you know, really didn't react to in any great physical way. But with the advent of COVID, the boats have reacted phenomenally and spent literally hundreds of millions on isolated sections of the boat, completely changing the air conditioning having full-time doctors on board the boats, 24-hour uh, guaranteed isolation, uh, and some boats are doing daily spit tests for rapid, uh, rapid testing. I mean, I'd hate to think, and I can't, uh, I can't say whether we are or not, but I'd hate to think that we don't understand when we judge boats on the 1% that things haven't changed on board the vessels because they've changed enormously. And uh, it, it's my opinion uh, that um, perhaps we should review that 1% on, as a result of the massive impact and changes and security, uh, medical security that the cruise ships are sailing with now. Um, and I, I, I don't know. I, I am speaking without knowledge here. But as I, all I'm saying is that if we're still turning boats away at 1%, I think it should be subject to review because the circumstances are very different 
this year than they were 10 years ago, five years ago, two years ago, and one year ago. Um, you may well have noticed that in the last couple of weeks, there have been less boats um, turned away from the port. And perhaps that's a sign of what I am thinking is being considered. Um, there's a lot of people out there that don't understand the industry and judge it uh, with a lack of knowledge. And um, the most common thing I hear uh, socially is, you know, the cruise ships don't leave any money on the island. I mean, the same old violin they've been playing for years based on a total lack of knowledge. The cruise ship generates massive revenue and employs huge numbers of people on this island. Um, and the benefits filter right throughout the community. Um, they are, whether you love them or hate them, they're an integral part of our economy, and we should be um, we should be making our judgment on knowledge rather than on a lack of knowledge. They are crucial to the well-being of hundreds and hundreds of families on this island, and we should safely embrace them, not in um, in ignorance, try and drive them away. We're in such a challenging environment at the moment that I can stand here or sit here and tell you with honesty, I'm not sure what boats are coming next week, let alone next month, let alone next season. I haven't got a clue. I only um, listen, and I, I'm on many websites associated with the cruise industry. And there is a, a newfound optimism, even as recently in the last two weeks, regarding um, the future, because it seems to me that the medical community and the World Health Organization have at last recognized that COVID isn't going to go away. We do have to learn to live with it. It's not killing people like it used to, and um, that, that we, we can start gradually going back to normality with wisdom and sense. You know, um, the wisdom and sense at the moment seems to be wear a mask and keep social distancing, and that may or may not change. But to predict the future is, is the biggest challenge. I, as an employee and a business owner, um, with, with the financial challenges that we've faced in the last two years, I mean, you tell me, because you've got as much idea as I. Should I be ordering tons of raw materials now? Because I'm almost out to start producing batik helper leather um, for next season. I don't know the answer. And that's the biggest challenge we all face, um, the uncertainty of everything. And that's, that's uh, uncertainty in business is the death of business. You know, you, you, you guess because you have nothing other than uh, nothing other than guesswork. There's no certainty. And so do you employ new people when you need them? Do you let people go? Do you um, do you buy new stock? Do you place orders for new raw materials? It, it's, it, that is the biggest challenge we have. And, um, you know, after the last two years, I can tell you the business community don't have too much cash to spend and too any cash to waste. So these are crucial decisions for the well-being of our business. But it does keep us awake at night. We don't know the answers. When I can sit here in my office and tell you right now, I do not know what cruise ships are coming in in February with any certainty. You can understand the challenge. So when he asks me what's next season going to be like, I haven't got a clue. <laughs> but I have hope. And I have hope, and I look at the signs, and the signs are more optimistic than pessimistic. I think the Chamber of Commerce often go under the radar, but I can tell you the stress and pressure that people like me have had the Chamber under, and I can tell you that the responses have been uh, have been very supportive. Um, I think it's recently that they probably aimed their... Uh, up to a few months ago, they aimed most of their um, concerns at the Ministry of Tourism uh, rather than the task force and the chief medical officer. And I think that was a mistake. Uh, but now um, they understand where the decisions are being made and they're approaching uh, those people and have had very strong dialogue from with the prime minister down. And I, th I, think, I think there is 
positive as far as our industry is concerned change and consideration of matters. Not everything is beyond the control, is within the control of the government and institutions of St. Kitts. We all understand that. But uh, I think even listening to um, the the, uh, task force, the medics on the task force, there's been um, uh, some wise and considered decisions of late. And the pressure on us to vaccinate has been when I say pressure, the drive for vaccination has been more successful than any other islands in uh, the Eastern Caribbean. And um, I, I think there's a better understanding now than there was six months ago, that's for sure. Uh, so I, um, I, I think the Chamber have reacted um, to the best of their ability. They've not always succeeded. But they've made their thoughts heard, and I think they've successfully made them heard in the last three or four months. That's Mr. Maurice Woodison, owner of Carabell Boutique, speaking to our sister media entity, SKN Newsline, on the challenges facing the cruise tourism sector in St. Kitts and Nevis, even though the sector has reopened. As we round out our show this week, we're going to be hearing from Chief, former Chief Medical Officer Dr. Patrick Martin. We had a conversation with him recently. An article that recently came out that shows that Japan, unlike some countries, has been uh, promoting or not promoting vaccine mandates and yet they have one of the highest vaccination rates in the world. Um, comment on this and, and how what lessons could be learned from Japan? Oh yes, um, the Japanese have taken the approach of encouraging vaccination, not mandating vaccination. And I look at the Ministry of Health website, you, you will see um, uh, references to um, persons should report if they have been forced to take a vaccine. The, the Japanese know that um, a vaccination is a, an invasive um, procedure and as such is governed by informed consent, which is a fundamental principle of medical practice in that the person not the doctor, not the nurse, the person at the, at the other end of the needle determines what goes into their body. Mm-hmm. I, I find this approach, I find this approach by, by Japan to be something worthy of further study. It shows that the population has a high level of uh, social capital, meaning that uh, working together with trust of public health authorities and um, adherence to um, uh, public health measures. The, the, here in St. Kitts Nevis, the government, strangely enough, hasn't um, issued a mandate for its public servants necessarily, um, but the government seems to have taken an approach where they allow the private sector to sort of call the shots, for lack of a better term. Do you think this approach has been effective or is effective or is the best approach or should the government take more control where that is concerned and maybe do like japan in a well-managed country the government takes the lead in public health matters mm-hmm. so you think that that they should have been more clear in their clearer at least in their um stance on whether or not they allow for va- mandatory vaccination because that, that hasn't quite been clear even though the prime minister did say that the private sector should insist on that happening. On the government side, they haven't quite done that. Clear, unequivocal language is required. The messaging has to be empathetic and respectful. And um, the, again, just to repeat, um, there is no other entity but the government to lead on these matters. What do you, what specifically should the government do as it relates to uh, vaccines? Okay, there are no necessary, there are no mandates per se from their side coming from their side, but there is nothing to, you know um, that they're necessarily doing to authorize or not authorize businesses or private sector from doing that. What do you think sh- they should do or should have done? It requires 
Well, it required the government very early in the pandemic to convene uh, all players, all stakeholders in, in the labor sector, the business sector, the medical sector, to sit down and arrive at a coherent strategy that is respectful of human rights and also the need to uphold public health and to keep the economy as strong as possible. Talking about a balance of measures, measures that are useful, necessary, and proportionate, I think that could have been done ought to have been done early in the pandemic, it was not done. Mm-hmm. And so the messaging the messaging became inconsistent at times and at times coercive and at other times um, tacitly encouraging mandates. And do you think that was deliberate? And I cannot, I cannot conclusively ascribe such ulterior motive. But the effect of not taking leadership on this matter is the same. Mm. Um. I, I think. I think what I really want to say, the lack of leadership on this matter um, is something that I'm disappointed about. So in other words, you believe government should have taken more a more proactive approach in leading the vaccination um, program or the vaccination rollout. Or, or, or not so much the rollout, but, but in terms of what uh, what's the policy of the government as it relates to vaccination. Um, in, in, terms, in terms of the national approach, the national approach, correct, to all public health measures, including vaccination, we had an opportunity for an all-party, all of society, all of government approach to this. You have been listening to Let's Talk and Kids Nevis here on Voice of the Caribbean Radio, Voice of the Caribbean.net. We had a very involved show today looking at various aspects of the COVID-19 pandemic and the impacts on St. Kitts and Nevis. Remember you can listen to this show again on in entirety on demand at www.voiceofthecaribbean.net or you can tune in on Wednesday and on Friday for a rebroadcast of this show. I'm Andre Huey. Thank you for listening to Let's Talk St. Kitts and Nevis here on Voice of the Caribbean Radio, Region of the Caribbean and beyond. Stay tuned. and Nevis, a talk show and current affairs program focusing on St. Kitts and Nevis, the Caribbean, and international news. Every Tuesday at 10 a.m. on Voice of the Caribbean Radio, join host Andre Huey as he delves into topical issues of the day. We'll open the lines so you can call in and be part of the discussion, and he'll feature guests each week to help shed light on the various topics of discussion. Let's talk St. Kitts and Nevis with Andre Huey, Tuesdays at 10 a.m., with rebroadcasts on Wednesdays and Fridays, also at 10 a.m. on Voice of the Caribbean Radio at voiceofthecaribbean.net. Also listen on our Android mobile app and tune in radio. Voice of the Caribbean Radio, reaching the Caribbean and beyond. Thought provokers. Are your strengths the things that you do good or the things that you like? Resources. My one book would be Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. I want to learn what I need to learn to get to where I need to get. Emotional moments. Hmm, that was a hard one. I went through depression. 
I didn't even discuss it with my wife, to be quite honest with you. Empowerment. If your name could be known for the worst thing, make it be known for the best. Even if you're uncertain, take a step of faith. Do not be afraid to try and fail. And a touch of humor with our Caribbean flavors. When did you realize they can't swim? <laughs> when? I knew all along. It did something phenomenal to me. I said, hey, I got to marry this woman, right? <laughs> you can't have me, but I will work out something for you. <laughs> hey there, this is the Big Axe Podcast with yours truly, Janiel Boone. John Maxwell said, great leaders ask great questions that inspire others to dream more, think more, learn more, do more, and become more. Join me as I ask the right questions to the right people to help you in your leadership venture. To ensure that you never miss an episode, join us on Voice of the Caribbean Radio Sundays at 12 noon, then we broadcast Mondays also at 12 noon.